So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. This week, we give you the best of the NBA All-Star Weekend, dunk contest, exciting ending, Kyrie's promotion in the world of the NBA, Miles Garrett being reinstated in the NFL, Astros players apologizing tour, along with a little action from the XFL in week two. But before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex Muhammad. Go ahead and say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, We're going to jump straight into it with the dunk contest from the All-Star Weekend. Now, this has kind of been like a revenge tour for Aaron Gordon, who has been felt overall that he was robbed the first time he was in the dunk contest, as he was coming for revenge in this one and expected to take home the MVP of the dunk contest award. Um, So... In the end, of course, there was a couple of different contesters like Dwight Howard uh, made some non, somewhat non-impressive dunks, but it came down to a showdown between Aaron Gordon and Derrick Jones Jr. Now, Aaron Gordon did end up with five straight 50-point scores, which is a perfect score in the dunk contest. You have five judges all can give up to 10 points. And then it went into a consecutive third overtime showdown with impressive dunks each time they had the showdown. Now, it leaves everyone a little shocked as the last dunk that Aaron Gordon has jumping over Taco Falls, which is all by random at this point. Uh, They were making up ideas on the fly. He ends up with one less point than Derrick Jones Jr. after we felt Jaron Jr. was sure to lose this match. Aaron Gordon ends up on the short end of this stick again, even though he displayed some of the best dunks we've ever seen in this contest. So, I ask, do you feel Aaron Gordon got robbed again? And what really happened? Yeah, he he did get robbed this time. Um, Derrick Jones Jr., he did have some impressive dunks, but most of them seem redundant. He didn't really mix it up that much. They, I mean, they, they were impressive. Um, of course, most people wouldn't be able to do that, but they seemed pretty redundant. Aaron Gordon, he came out firing on all cylinders, was dunking in all types of ways, and this is his second robbery. Um, Should have won the first time, and definitely the second time. And I agree. Just don't worry about it anymore because he said he's not going to compete in the – slam dunk contest again I and I I agree with that because they're just not going to give him his credit yeah it, it amazes me he really does arguably have I know at minimum he has the two of the best dunks of the top three dunks ever in the dunk contest I already know that hands down and the only debate is really uh, Vince Carter when he was more new to the scene of that type of dunking that displayed this is a common thing now for winners of the dunk contest. Um, so you have to put Carter 
Vince Carter in there, at least in that top three. But I, it's guaranteed Aaron Gordon has two of the top dunks I've ever seen. First one, uh, I'm not sure exa- exactly in what order, but the one where he jumps over the Magic uh, mascot, puts it over under his legs and dunks it, that alone, and clearing it, no trampoline, nothing like that, and clears him so much, that hands down should have won him the first dunk contest. Uh, but this past one where he gets Chance the Rapper, or I, I think it was Chance who threw it off the backboard. Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, no. It was Marker Fultz. Marker Fultz uh, bounced it off the side of the backboard. This man catches it in a cuffed position, windmills, and dunks it. That's the best dunker I pro- dunk I've probably ever seen. It's, it's one of the best. I don't know if it's the best. That, that Vince Carter dunk, that was... That was Which one crazy. Was, uh, Vince Carter. Vince Carter. Well, well, I meant one where he basically put his whole arm in the hoop. That one. When he was like, okay, it's yeah. over. It's over. That's, that's when you but knew that was it more was of a over. Collective. That was more of a collective. That's why you have to put him in there. He is hands down the dunk king. But Aaron Gordon makes it's, – it's a two-man race now for the best dunk king ever. And one of them hasn't even won a dunk contest. Yeah, it's ridiculous that he didn't win the second one. You would think with this type of seniority, they would lean more towards his way. But from what I heard, somebody made a mistake. They were all going to get 50s. We'll get all a perfect score to both players. And then they were going to have a co-slammed up contest winner, which I wouldn't have liked. But somebody still messed up. <laughs> Either yeah, way, but I think actually, Aaron Gordon should have won. Yeah, and it took a little bit more thinking into it to see what actually happened, because that's one reason why I did put in this question, what really happened. So what really happened was a little home cooking, and I'm not talking about Chicago home cooking. I'm talking Miami home cooking. Now, uh, just to set the scenario, uh, Derrick Jones Jr. got a 47, uh, the past, sorry, a 48 in the past scoring of his last dunk, which was going to be the last dunk no matter what. And it was going to either make it a tie or somebody was going to win. And two people gave him a nine. They conversed the the five uh, judges and said that they're going to make it to where it's a tie. Well, uh, Dwayne Wade, who is a Miami native, is also Derrick Jones Jr. is a former player he played with, and he also is representing the Miami Heat as his number is going to be retired for three days straight in Miami. Just to give you a little back uh, story behind it, it was a little home cooking. Dwayne Wade knew that, oh, this was the agreement between everybody, but he can actually give any score he wants to. And by him changing what they agreed, he fixed the end of the dunk contest by giving it to his hometown native which I guess should have never really came about because you shouldn't really have somebody who could possibly be biased. But we're, I guess, giving too much meaning to this dunk contest. Yeah, um, it, it's really not that, not that important, but it's a good win for that single player who does win it. And he just felt like he was robbed twice, and it's, it's just a sad thing. He should have won this one. He was. He was because if we're, he would, he made a great point. He had five ten point uh, rounds, perfect dunks. They shouldn't even have to. That that really should be a rule. You shouldn't have to go for, further if you reach down to a max amount of dunks. It should go down to total score. It, it only makes sense, especially if you've gone perfect all of your dunks and then somehow, some way, you lose by one point in the end. 
Yeah, that's ridiculous, but um, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 but it was perfect for the NBA. It was the perfect amount of drama, shockness. I was absolutely shocked that that happened. Like, I thought, I, like everyone was like, dang, wow, how, how come they lowered the, the score so low for Derrick Jones Jr.? I guess this is supposed to be giving to Aaron Gordon, which we all still felt he should win because he was that impressive. But what a dramatic ending with it being one less point, which was Dwayne Wade. The other two player people, uh, Kenneth Parker and the actor from who did uh, Black Panther, I can't think of his real name, but those were the ones who gave nines before and was going to give it again to give it a tie. Dwayne Wade changed his number from a 10 to a nine, which changed the whole outcome of the, uh, of the contest. He, so Aaron Gordon completely got robbed, even though he has some of the, he has two of the top, dunks in NBA history yeah and Dwayne Wade is one of my favorite players of all time but I'm gonna have to give him this L <laughs> no Aaron Gordon took that one for him uh, he, he he washed his hands he he did the dirty work I I, I can't blame Dwayne Wade y'all, y'all put him in this situation it, you can't blame him for taking advantage of it because it literally is by opinion well that's just biased and you're supposed to it be is. objective it is no, no, I agree. I completely agree. Because I, I definitely think Aaron Gordon got right. But if you think about it, if you can control this, even if there's incentives for your your former teammate to get deals, for example, Derrick Jones Jr. got a deal with Puma right after the contest. This has only been two days, uh, about two to three days later uh, since the dunk contest, and he's already gotten a deal with Puma off of this. It also puts more spotlight on the Miami Heat because – also, Tyler Hero, uh, not Hero, sorry about that, um, Bama Bayou won the skills challenge earlier that um, uh, weekend, too. So it, it just they put him in the situation. They're about to retire his jersey for three days straight, which is unheard of. They're going to have a, a Miami Wade pretty much extended weekend. Why not give it to some hometown cooking, even though you're in Chicago, which is also his hometown? I guess the NBA's rigged. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the dunk contest. It's still all it's all person it's all perspective. So realistically, it's still not rigged because it is his perception he's judging it on. If it was one point lower, even though there was an agreement, he can do what he wants. So in the end, technically he can do what he wants. So like it's 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 still a perception thing. It was no exacts to picking what dunk was better than the other. I guess, but um, yeah. we can move so, on from there. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll quickly ask. So, was this the best dunk contest you've ever seen in NBA All Star history? Um, I don't think I can fairly judge that because I've skipped a lot of them. Like I, I just stopped watching it because there was nothing to watch, and you didn't have too many stars. Um, really, the last one that I remember. Well, I, I did see Donovan Mitchell. I think he was in one. But the last one that I remember was between Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. That that was the last one that I actually watched. So I don't think I can fairly judge this one. Okay, I, I respect that. Um, also, like a little bit of tape because it's not like I've seen all of the older um, dunk contests. But I would say even from the reaction of the older people, uh, people who are who've been around since the 80s and the 90s where where they're kind of resuming pointing back towards the Dominique Wilkins and 
uh, Michael Jordan matchup of the dunk contest where do- they felt that Dominique well, Wilkins got robbed within that one, which was also in Chicago uh, when that happened. So they're thinking that's the closest thing to it. Uh, but overall, I, I think it's it's going to become unanimous over history that this is the best dunk contest. It's just that we had the worst outcome. But I guess that makes it even more memorable. Yeah, it it, it makes it more memorable because there's a storyline to it. Um, Aaron Gordon has been here before, and then he goes and loses again, even though everybody think that, thinks that it's going to be unanimously his. And then you have the all-time upset again, and it's going to be remembered for a long time. Yeah, it's enough drama to get you a 30 for 30. I say that much. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, like it's enough. It's enough storyline. You got the past history, uh, great dunks, uh, the uh, fact of the first robbery. You can then continue it for a revenge type thing where once again, at least into the best dunk contest ever, there's, there's been less things made of a uh, 30 for 30. Um, and so I, I would say, yes, it has enough, at least for that. I guess, um, unless you put it or center it around all of the slam dunk contests. No, I would center it around the saying if this does be become to be known, at least even like in the next five years as the best dunk contest ever, you just center it around the best contest, uh, best. I would just title it something like the best, uh, dunk contester or the best uh, component ever to never win a dunk contest or something like that. Uh, you know, and you can get creative with the words, but trust me, it's there. Maybe five years down the road. Yeah, I'm not saying something you're going to turn right around and make a 30 for 34. This may be something we just it gives you enough to want to tell the full story, not just, oh, he lost this one and this was the end. That's that's how we would review most dunk contests or even events like this. This makes you tell a complete storyline to even get to why this was so significant. And it's significant on its own, but it's even more significant with the storyline. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty significant. Yeah. So uh, but we move on to the main attraction, which is the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, we had other um, different events like the uh, up-and-coming, sorry, uh, matchup of the world versus the uh, up-and-coming stars, and then you had the skills challenge, which I've already said that Bama Bayou uh, won, and then the uh, guy from the Suns, he won the uh, three-point contest. Uh, just to kind of quickly review, but the main thing is, of course, the NBA All-Star Game, where you have the best of the best performing against each other, and due to well, whatever is reason, there's been a lack of interest and intensity in these NBA All-Star games, as nobody really cares who wins and who loses. So there's, of course, been a lot of different changes to the All-Star format. Uh, just to quickly review the biggest things that each quarter will mean uh, a separate game and in its own way, but it's also calculated up to develop a target score once you get to the beginning of the fourth quarter. For example, uh, LeBron's uh, team LeBron was down nine points over their total three quarters going into the fourth quarter, so they had to get that nine points plus the 24 points, which is a target score for 
added to the winning team at that time and the target scored for either team to get to. This is important because it it ratcheted up the intensity on this particular all-star game. So, like I said, uh, Team LeBron, they won the first quarter. Uh, the second quarter went to Team Giannis, where there was a blowout, 50-30. to 30. Uh, Third quarter ended in a tied match, and in that situation, the war, the money that for the different charities uh, it carry over into the fourth quarter and winner would take all from the winning of the pretty much the entire game. So it did ratchet it up initially off the first t- change of the format. But to everyone's great excitement, the fourth quarter became an, an intense as intense as a game seven playoff game in a regular season or sorry, in a playoff match uh, where everyone wanted to win and or to get to that target score. Now, Team LeBron was down nine points, as I said, going into the fourth quarter and ended up winning the match of the NBA All-Star game. Kawhi Leonard comes out as the MVP and the first to get the NBA's Kobe Bryant MVP award. First time is that, as it was uh, mentioned earlier last week, that the award will be favor change to the Kobe Bryant MVP award for the All-Star game. But I ask. Have you finally bought into the new rules for all of the All-Star game? It's really hard to say. Um, it did get pretty intense at the end of it, but it was still the same old All-Star game at the beginning. Nobody was playing any defense. Everybody was letting everybody just run through the lane and shoot threes wide open. But um, the intensity really picked up in the fourth quarter, and it made it interesting. Um I heard that a lot of people didn't really like how it just ended on a free throw, which I can see that. And winning by two or having to make the shot on the court rather than a free throw would probably be better to end the game rather than a free throw. So I can see that being that will be better in the long term, having it that way. Uh, But I think this is trending up for the NBA with the rule changes, even though I was pretty skeptical going into this game. Yeah, I completely agree. You you know, I professed completely against it and felt it was stupid, but it definitely changed. It completely changed the outcome of how the game was actually taken. Like you said, in the first quarter, second quarter, they were blow by uh, scores. Nobody's really getting in each other's way. But when you set that target score, the target score, just like if you would on a playground, you're going to 21, you're going to 12, you're going to 14, where intensity rushes up. You make sure that someone's not going to score. You make sure you do score at different tone points, which did create that competitiveness in the fourth quarter. Um, now, to say all of the uh, the rules, mm, I... I, I, okay, a lot of people didn't like the whole free throw thing, which I understand, though. Like, um, you may want it to end it on the score, but I guess people are just really being greedy. Now, the quarter-by-quarter quarter thing, I think the best thing about the quarter-by-quarter quarter thing was having the kids there, as some people really didn't like. Uh, I don't know why, but they felt that the kids shouldn't be there uh, repping for each team. But I guess that one only would have really ended bad if no, let's say, Team Giannis didn't win a single quarter. Now, that makes a very depressing set of situations. Um, And even though Giannis' teams only got 100,000 as the other uh, 
charity got 300,000. Giannis has already came out to say that they're going to make up another 100,000 to give to that charity. So it's not like they're real losers, but the fact that they were there cheering for a particular side really ratcheted up per quarter for me uh, because it did feel like, hey, dang, you got your butt whooped in the second uh, quarter when I felt against LeBron and Giannis as LeBron's team was doing very well in the first quarter. And I was like, dang, okay, they're, they're really, it really separated things. But it really brought the intensity in the end when it came to those fourth quarter rules. Yeah. Um, and I would say maybe they should extend those, that fourth quarter rule to maybe the second quarter. So you can have that same type of intensity um, just back but to back. I, I hear you, but how, like, how do you really care to win a half? Well, that puts you ahead going into yeah. the third quarter. Yeah, but that's no different than any other time uh, when you want to hit uh, the last couple of shots going into a half or you just want to be up because it's not going to win you the game. That's the only thing. That's the only problem I feel with that theory. I would love that to be the type of intensity put on the second second quarter, but it's just unrealistic because it's not ending a game unless you want to split the game right in half. Yeah, but – I feel like you also create the problem, which has always been a problem, that there's really no intensity throughout the um, first part of the game. And you want to see that throughout the whole game. I I definitely hear you, but I think that's just being greedy. Like, there's no way people are going to play hard for the entire game. That that rarely happens in any game, to be real. Uh, That's playoff basketball. That's saying that you want playoff basketball for a tire four quarter four quarters in an all star game, which we're lucky to get one good one. Yeah, I guess, but um that's what people pay for. And yeah, that's what they want to see. Pay for people are tuning in. Uh and now the people in the building, once again, that's all about showing off. You must have the money. It's not it's I uh, I don't know. I just can't say that they should do that. I think they did. They overextended themselves actually in this situation where they really did ramp it up. People were actually mad. They were actually tight about possessions. They were wanting to play defense on all these different possessions because they knew they couldn't give up a score. And I just don't see that type of importance being placed in their heads, knowing there's a whole nother half. Yeah, I can see your point there, but we want to see a whole competitive game. And I think the NBA will try to do that because they try to change a lot of stuff and cater to the fans, even though the ratings have gone down. Yeah, it, it, regular season numbers are down for viewership. Uh, but I'll go to the next question, which is, did this game tell you anything about the hierarchy in the NBA? Maybe even who really is the best of the best? No, it didn't tell me anything. Um some people took it more seriously than others and they were just out there trying to have fun and win some money for the charity. I don't think anybody really put themselves any higher than they were before that game. Mm, I, I, I think that I'm finally seeing a little bit of the fading star of LeBron. I'm not, I know this is a uh, hypocrisy here and then I'm just, uh, it, it wouldn't seem that I'll be, Thinking like that, but I really will have to give it to Kawhi as the best player in the league if he wins a championship with the Clippers. It's, it just shows 
I'll tell it to you raw. James Harden sucked in this match. He only hits uh, a couple key shots. LeBron overall kind of sucked. He he came up with points. He came up with possessions. He he came up with the right moves, but he didn't take over uh, as most people wanted him to be the MVP of this matchup. Uh, Giannis did perform. He he performed in many different ways, playing great defense against LeBron, even down to uh, the drama of the block or or go ten. Uh, situation in the All Star game. They, that was literal playoff type of intensity for this All Star game, um, which I th- still feel this is an overachievement. But it definitely clearly sh- showed that Kawhi and Giannis are the best players out there right now. And I really probably should mentally put LeBron somewhere around three. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm not going to jump to conclusions. This game doesn't matter whatsoever. Yeah. And we'll see in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I still think the Lakers take it. But, oh, it's going to be too hard. Now, I have to acknowledge right now that I will have to give him that title if they win. But does he, get that, does he get that title if, let's say, he's load managing and Paul George is carrying the team, but he still ends up winning – the uh, finals MVP, even though he puts in just enough effort to get that. Is he still I, crowned as the best player in the league? I have to, because I can't, I can't knock his method of after a certain amount. Like, and that's why I gained a respect for the Patriots. That's why I gained a respect for certain people. Or even I, at one time, I really didn't like Kobe, but I grew a large respect for him to, into a point where I actually liked him. Um, but it's, it's with this, I can't deny his lazy. I wouldn't say lazy. His, his nonchalant. That's the best word. Sorry. You said it right the first time. No, his nonchalant attitude about going about basketball, and he still gets it. Like he still scores. He still get picks up the numbers. I can't deny that. And whether he's load management, load load managing that to a championship or not. He is the key piece, and I can't just knock him for his method. Well, I can keep knocking him because I did like him, kind of, but now I'm just like, whatever. I, I think we were opposed to the, the Golden State Warriors, which uh, put us on the side of Kawhi because LeBron was not in the, in the playoffs. Well, at least that was me, if that wasn't you. Well, it it really didn't matter who won. I would just pick the Warriors to win that one, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him. <laughs> I understand. I understand. So I'll move to the next question, which is, since the target score away of the All-Star game was a great success that fourth quarter, would you want to see the the same kind of format for a mid-season tournament in the NBA? That probably would be nice. Um, there would have to be a lot of things that go into this midseason tournament that, I guess, makes it worth it. I'm not sure, like, what, how can a team go further along or higher than um, what they were before the tournament. Um, but I would definitely like to see this format put in some way so that you see that same type of intensity, some defense being played, and people – actually going after it like they were in that fourth quarter. 
I agree. And and I, I quickly thought up how could we make this significant if we did make it into a mid-season tournament, which is what the NBA is moving towards so that there's more playoff-style intensity basketball. So people pay attention, um, which people will if there is stakes put on it. I think, just rough idea here, it's a tournament where you're guaranteed to be in the playoffs. At minimum, you're eight in the slot. No matter what you do after this tournament, y'all fall off completely. You're minimum eight, which guarantees dollars for a franchise. So no matter whether you suck, your best player suck, what, no matter what, you are put in the eight spot at minimum. So that's just a worst case scenario. But the benefit of a top team winning this is the fact that any team, the same team, let's say you're doing well, you're already going to be number one, you get to choose your opponent. So that's the double benefit. At, at minimum, you're going to make the playoffs, and second, you get to choose your opponent. So that's the benefit for a high-ranking team or a middle-of-the-pack team or even a low team. It, it just seems to be a great benefit, and I would definitely love the target score to, to change up the difference between a – mid-season championship and a a uh, world championship in the NBA. So let's say you're a, that worst-case scenario. You, y'all won the uh, mid-season tournament, and somehow y'all just aren't good after the mid-season. Your minimum going to go to uh, be in the eighth spot, but you don't have to play the number one team. You can choose anybody in the playoffs. That's where the, uh, the benefit is. Just like if you're the top team and it really didn't matter uh, that you're guaranteed into the playoffs, but you get to choose which team you want to play just in case that eight team was pretty good this year. They just they got hot in the end and they made it only at the eight spot. So let's say that you have a record worse than the supposed eight seed is supposed to be. You get in the playoffs over them. Yeah. Guaranteed. No? Guaranteed. Uh, no, no, no. What, what that, I'm saying is, okay, mm-hmm. you you win the tournament, but uh-huh. let's say you finish with a record at nine. You're, you're number nine in your yeah. conference. Mm-hmm. You you take over that eighth seed and drop out yeah. the eighth seed previously. Yes. It's only fair. <laughs> it's, it's only fair because you're at the bottom of the pack anyway, and okay. they won something that was significant. That's the benefit. Yeah, yeah but it's hard seeing somebody that falls off like that actually what, what you come in that situation that you you have a whole half of a season to know that you don't want to end up in that position yeah but it, it gets really tricky and i think well, some means, people wouldn't like it yeah but I, like i think that that evens it out i think it evens it out like you know that hey if i want to still make the playoffs that eight seed is not worth anything even though they're by record is going to be in the ninth seed which is like very much a very much an unlikely situation because if you're winning a midseason tournament, you should be making the playoffs. That's just what it should be. But in worst case scenarios, you guarantee yourself into the playoffs, which means you guarantee franchise dollars. That means you guarantee television games. You at minimum, you gain money as a franchise. So it is significant to have it. And, you know, at guarantee you're in the playoffs. On top of that, you get to choose who you uh, uh, play against in that, those playoffs. So there's an importance to that mid-season tournament for any team out there. So you choose every round if you make it that far. 
No, only one. You only get that first round because because after that point, it's it's regular playoff rules. Like you can't get all of that. Like, they, come on. Now, <laughs> I mean, you I give them a lot of power anyway. Yeah, but that's that's where you get the importance of a midseason tournament. Otherwise, it's pointless to to do a lot for it. I think that that bridges the gap. You get to choose your opponent, which is the benefit for a top team who was no matter what was going to be in the playoffs. So it really didn't matter that they were going to be in the playoffs or not going to be in the playoffs because they were already going to be number one. But they get to choose who they want to play against. Maybe there's a style uh, against that team. Maybe it's their previous matchups with that team. And it also builds a, a type of a upset situation where you chose your team who you lost to. What makes it even more fun and more for a, a great storyline? I guess, but I think there needs to be some fine tuning there before you just go with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think they're listening in specifically to, but I do hope somehow that that idea reaches them because if they're going to do a midseason tournament, it needs to be something that's worth something in the actual playoffs because a midseason tournament is like a mini trophy, but the important things will be what you're getting from it that affects your actual season. Yeah, I agree with that. It should definitely affect that. Yeah. So um, moving on to the last question about the All-Star game weekend. Uh, What were some of the best slash favorite parts of the 2020 All-Star weekend? I would say the fourth quarter in the All-Star game. And the dunk contest when it came down to Aaron Gordon and was it Derek Jones Jr., both of them, those have to be the highlights for the All-Star weekend because they were the most exciting. They had the most intensity and you had drama to go along with it. Okay. And I know mine's going to be a little skewed and it might be a little funny. I don't know. But one of my best moments or favorite moments was actually seeing Patrick Beverly go out in the first round of the skills challenge. Because I was always thinking, why in the world was he even in the skills challenge as he went out in the first one? I know that's a little hate there, but I just I just felt he shouldn't even been in the skills challenge. So I took a little joy in that. Um, second, having Bam out of Bayou win, because I've I've attached myself to a team now. You know, a lot of people don't really attach themselves to a basketball team. They tend to travel with the player now. I'm definitely a LeBron team, LeBron all the way, whatever team he goes to. But. I'm officially stamping it. I am a part of Heat Nation. I am going ride or die with them, whether they're sucky or whether they're good. I overall already like the city of Miami, but and I rode with them when LeBron was there, but I officially have some type of full fandom towards the Miami Heat. So, like Dwayne Wade, I'm over here really rooting for them on the low. <laughs> but for uh, how long? Just to kind of wrap, for how long? See, yeah, That's... yeah you're, no, no, no. With the Heat, I, I'm really going to ride or die with them. I've made the decision. I've had an analysis over a large amount of years, and their franchises simply ran very well with Pat Riley. And even when they're down, they're not really down, down. When they lost LeBron, they still make the playoffs a couple of times. They still have things to, to root for. They still think, and even with this year, they have great, great young stars, and they have great promise for the future. I'm attached. I will be a Heat fan, and I'm going to try to last this out through the rest of my life, to be real. I'm going to actually attach that as a pure fan, fanatic for this team. Um, so 
you will see me repping the heat gear and things like that, even if they don't have a great player on their team. Um, but just to kind of round out my favorite moments, of course, there'd be more serious. The fourth quarter was great uh, for the uh, all-star game. Absolutely great. Had the intensity of a playoff game and the dunk contest, even though I completely feel that Aaron Gordon got robbed. Well, <laughs> this love and I, I guess loyalty to the Miami Heat is I, I'm flabbergasted because not too long ago, you said that you don't attach yourselves to teams because you they're are. not loyal to players. And it, it's just You're. too many things that you can't count on. So You're right. why the turn? Why the turn? Because I don't want to be the non-fun guy. I want to have some time. I want to have that faith in one of these franchises. And after after a certain amount of years of the Heat, doing certain moves and analyzing their moves as a whole from pretty much the beginning of the Wade's entry to now. Uh, it, it just all around, to me, makes me feel good about that franchise. They make great moves. They, uh, they recruit well. Pat Riley's a great uh, GM. Uh, Pat uh, Spostra, he's been really great as a coach. And I really rep really hard for – uh, the Heat when LeBron was there. And really, that was where his best days. I think his absolute prime was his Heat days. And he still had a couple other prime years in Cleveland, but his absolute prime athletics, uh, youth and everything was the Heat. And throwing into what they have coming up just makes me feel very excited about the franchise. So I would like to be a fanatic for them until they do some scandalous stuff. And then, of course, I'm cutting ties if something happened like that. Of course. Um, that's why I asked how long, but we well, can move on from there. Well, that's the scandalous stuff. I, I don't think they're going to come up with scandalous stuff, but you never know with these franchises. Many things have happened that people didn't feel would happen, uh, which we'll even get into about baseball a little bit later uh, here with the Astros. But uh, staying in the NBA, there's a story with Kyrie Irving, even though he did not make the all-star break, um, make the all-star team. On Monday – Reports came out of Kyrie Kyrie Irving being voted into the new vice president spot of the Players Association, replacing Paul Gasol. Now, Paul Gasol's term of three years did wear out. He he extended his his term, which it's it was about time for a new vice president. But he was voted in Kyrie Irving. So I'll quickly ask off face value. Do you think this is a good idea? And what do you really think Kyrie brings to the table? I think this, this is hard. Um, I do like Kyrie at times, but you just never know how he's going to be. But hopefully him being put in this higher situation and voted on by the players helps him develop as a player and just personally and with an inside of him because you just never know how he's going to be. And hopefully he can gain leadership abilities from being in this position. Um, would I have voted him? No, that I, I don't think it, it was a good idea, but you never know until you put in, in that position. So I just hope for the best for Kyrie. And I mean, he, he's not dumb. So <laughs> I think it's going to be, more positive than negative. Okay, so this, of course, will be a complicated answer. Uh, I think 
Kyrie's a very enlightened person. He's the person of knowledge and uh, probably knows it, it's a whole lot. Like, I don't think he's done by any means. What's been in question is his mood. It has always been his mood. And so asking whether this is a good idea depends on the perception of who's asking the question. Now, for the brotherhood of who's the president of the Players Association and the other people in those other positions, it's probably a great spot because he probably fits in. Uh, Chris Paul is the uh, Players Association president. So uh, when it comes from that angle, I think he fits in. So he may be able to work well with them. Um, now, whether it's a good idea overall when it comes to perception from the other players, him him representing them, I don't think it's a good idea there. Because the overall idea or uh, uh, thought behind Kyrie is his mood. We never know what mood he's going to have, whether he's going to throw his uh, teammates under the bus, whether he, his main thing right now is, is he a cancer and can he even work with anyone on a team, uh, much less also be healthy? So, of course, the health thing for athleticism doesn't really factor into the vice president position, but it does not vote well for confidence from the players you're supposed to be re- representing. But they're the ones who voted him in this position, so they saw something no, I- in him. I think it's the I'm really not sure. So don't uh, bank me on this, but I'm I think it's the people who are in position who vote them in. And if so, I don't even know whether it's a simple like a ballot where everybody gets the vote. But I think it's the people who are on the panel who get the vote. Um, I'm not exactly sure about that. I, I'll I have think to research was... that one. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it's all the players as a collective, they vote on that. Mm, but I saw somewhere he was unanimously unanimously voted in. So that makes it kind of hard when you're spreading across the entire NBA. And then who are you really giving up those uh, the votes to? Is it a certain amount of years of tenure? I, I don't know. I guess I have to look up the specifics and get back to you on that. But uh, I'll ask, should everyone be thinking of the changing of the guards in every and many other aspects of the NBA since the NBA is getting younger year after year? Yeah, that, that should be put more in the forefront of younger players because they are the future. And all of these players usually just do one year in college and then they're going straight into the NBA. And Kyrie at this point, I think he would be he would count as a elder statesman because he's been in the league ever since he's been 19, I think. So he only played one year at Duke. And then he was in the NBA. So he's definitely earned a lot of respect from a lot of players. So I think it was pretty appropriate. It, It does sound early for him, even though it seems like he's a younger player, but he's been in the league for a while. And I think this is the way things are going to trend because those older players are only getting older and somebody has to step in those positions. I agree. So I definitely think we should be thinking of the changing of the guards in many different positions in the NBA that the players hold. I think Giannis will be one of those bigger people very soon to grasp hold of one of those positions. I actually see him as the next 
player president uh if anything uh, i think he works well and he he's he's generally a non-controversial uh person and player so i i would think we need to start just opening our minds to the fact of younger players we don't don't see them as that leader uh possibly being in these positions now uh to support these players yeah i would have to agree um you have to pass the torch at some point, and I think this is this is the time. Yeah, we're in the midst of a change of the a lot of things in the NBA, and the players we're familiar with are getting older, as like uh, Steph Curry, um, LeBron James. It actually, is a short list now: uh, Carmelo Anthony um, and Chris Paul. But just players like that are becoming less and less each year. Um, but we're going to move into the MLB, which is really a short piece, but worth mentioning. Now, the Astros has already came out that they have com- said that they were complicit in a cheating scandal, which resulted in them winning the 2017 World Series. They actually obtained two World Series in the past uh, three years of the world of the MLB seasons. Um, now, the Astros players are on a pretty much apology tour. Um, about the cheating scandal and not exactly their their involvements in this cheating scandal as the MLB has deemed them off limits for punishment as the situation was too widespread among these players on these teams. They would hurt the brand if they did try to suspend them uh, or do any other actions. Now, there's been some big backlash in many different aspects of the regular world, two little league teams in Long Beach, California, and also East Fellowton, California, have removed the Astros nickname from their team gear. Long Beach president told the Orange County Register, parents are disgusted, quote. Now, multiple players went on to apologize on a podium podium to kind of say how they're sorry for uh, being a part of a scandal like this, but really in a lackluster way with the each apology taking no questions and only lasting for a few minutes with each player. Now, the owner in the same day, the owner of the Astros stated, quote, he didn't feel the scandal did affect the outcome of the 2017 World Series, even though they won the World Series in 2017. So I ask, is there more fallout to happen from this cheating scandal? And is there anything or any way to repair the Astros' reputation? I think that there is definitely more to come out here. You're going to see there are multiple um seeds out there of this cheating scandal across the league and only time will tell whenever those people are caught and also i think just like i was saying previously with time this will go away well it'll it'll die down and people won't won't think won't think of it as much just like the whole penn state scandal with um that head coach, no, Joe he's an assistant coach. Yeah, yeah, uh, Skandusky. 
Yeah, yeah, Sandusky. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sandusky. Yeah, Jerry Sandusky. It took a while for Penn State to get from under that. They were suspended and had scholarships taken away and all that stuff. And the same type of thing will happen with the Astros. Only time will, uh, with time, things will die down, but it's going to take a while for this. On a side note, I really think, I still feel, even though, even at that time, that the university was wrong for taking down Joe Paterno's statue. I just felt that was just, it was, it was bad, especially when he died shortly after that uh out of slightly out of disgrace um i guess he was complicit in a way in the scandal uh i know i'm way off subject here with the whole penn state but i I still think that taking down of his statues was a wrong uh reaction to it now with the astros i agree with time this will fall kind of to the late to the side but it depends on who just forgets about it because i don't think the rest of the MLB is going to forget about it. I don't think, I don't think other aspects are going to forget about this. For example, the little league teams where who've already changed their nicknames. And as it quote says, the parents are disgusted because it is completely clear that they cheated. This is not a, maybe this is not a, uh, a, a what if they clearly cheated and stole play, uh, signs to know what they were swinging at or what they were reacting to which gives you an extreme upper hand especially when you win the world series off of it so i don't think there's anything that'll repair their their reputation other than time and i i i give it seven years and and all of this won't really matter i'm not gonna say it won't matter but i think that we we both agree in this situation. With time, this will die down, and people won't look at them as badly. Yeah. So, as uh, will the MLB season with the MLB season starting very soon? Do you see other teams taking it out on the Astros when they play them? Yeah. Um, people are going to circle their calendar just to rub it in on them and bring their best A game to that game. They're going to circle it, make sure they beat down the Astros uh, every time they see them. And I'm not sure how many times they'll see that team because they play 166 games or something like that, and that's just way too many games. But they're going to circle the calendar and try to beat them um, by however many points possible. You're thinking a whole lot cleaner than I'm thinking about the situation. I think these players are about to get uh, balls thrown at their heads. Like you, you forget the baseball uh, way of etiquette and how they go after uh, players. They 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 throw the ball at your head the first time you get to the plate. They already feel a lot of these players are are frauds. They're not real world champions. Uh, they all, there's also players and teams who were like, "Hey, y'all, you did this against us." specifically us and you are one reason why i don't have a world series or why that year was not magical for us because you outright treat cheated i think there's a whole lot to come from this i think they're going to be thrown at their head quite often and whichever way they can throw cheap shots it's going to happen to the astros that's pretty extreme um that's something i would do in a video game but not in real life 
you, you forget the MLB though. They're they're very uh, big about these unwritten rules, and this is a very written rule. This is simply not cheating. I, I understand there's a a certain element to stealing signs anyway in in, in the MLB, but not to the level of what they were doing. They these were very exact. They were using the cameras to know exactly what was coming their way. Yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> but throwing balls and you forget these and all that stuff—that's just way too you know, much. They, you know, they do do it for less. You know, this is the MLB where if you flip your bat, like you just hit a home run and you flip your bat, the next time you get up there to plate, they're gonna throw at your head. That's a normal. That is a normal. I guess I don't watch baseball enough, but that's just way too much. You're just going out yeah, of your way you to hurt your somebody. Bat, if you just like toss your bat where it flips up when you hit a home run, they will throw at your head the next time. So I'm, it does not. It doesn't take much. I remember that there was this one guy who flipped his bat and people made a huge deal out of it. I think he he hit like a home run or something. It was a big game. Yeah. I can't remember who exactly it was, but he flipped his bat and then people made a huge deal out of it. I'm like, well, what? What is it's so not, bad that's about not even that? A that's not even a written rule. Now, how do you think they're going to react on real real rules and the fact that if, if they weren't cheating? Because I think it's somewhere around like a 20%, 80% thing where 80% of the league wasn't cheating like this. And then there was a 20% where some just didn't actually win. For example, the Red Sox, they're already going to be under the same scrutiny very soon because they've already they're a part of a cheating scandal, which is the same exact cheating scandal, but a little bit separate just because it's different franchises. But I think a few were out there and were like, hey, we're going to have the heads up on this, where the other 80% was like, hey, we're at least playing by these other unfair rules that we're all playing by. Now you're playing by rules that we all aren't playing by, and y'all need to know about it. Yeah, I mean, I guess baseball is just different or something. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. They will throw at their heads, so I do think that is coming very soon, especially for the players who are on the team at that time. Uh, even there's a whole thing with the uh, MVP of that year for the Astros. He didn't want his jersey torn off. And it's kind of there's a rumor out that he was wearing a type of wire or uh, to, that was telling him about calls. And he was very adamant about them not ripping off his jersey. And there's a whole back and forth about the Astros players saying that he really wasn't cheating, that he 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 really was the MVP of that uh, World Series when none of it's really true when you completely cheated. None of y'all are real if you completely cheated. Um, but I, I'll move it to the next question so we can uh, move it along. So are the players the true individuals that should be punished or does the MLB has the right idea by punishing no player involved? I think the whole the whole team as uh as a whole they should be punished all together every single one of them along with the coaches or they i think they call them managers in baseball well they already um, fired them well, the teams did that the teams did that because they need to fall out but just to kind of uh well yeah well the the management um they should be fined along with uh whoever owns the team and the players should I don't know how how to really how to penalize them because if you suspend the whole team that's just kind of pointless but I, I'm not sure but they should have some type of um, penalty in this situation but I think everybody should be 
penalized. Well, that's hard, kind of hard because that's their whole idea right now. The reason why they can't punish any player is because they have to punish every player. And by punishing every player, you destroy your entire brand as the MLB. You already have to discredit the World Series, but if you punish them for any extended amount of time, which they are supposed to be uh, suspended for, you mess up full schedules. That means the Astros versus nobody or like there was full. You would almost have to suspend the franchise for an entire year with no play. Even though you have to trade players, different players have joined this team since then. Even though all of the other factors have came into play, you would have to do that to even be close to uh, having a way to punish the, all the players as a whole on a team. So I I don't think they're right by punishing no one because it's really like an either-or situation right now. They're saying either we punish no one or we punish everybody. And we can't punish everybody because we're going to destroy our brand as it's already being destroyed uh, so I just I think it just needs to be absolutely vacated. And, you know, my my idea, they just they should just close the record books and start off a new type of baseball. Take this as an opportunity to start over a fresh new way. I think the only way they do that to start off fresh is if they see seeds of this all over the MLB. That's, that's the only way they do that. But. But if I they did the that, best... then they could play like they want to play because then they say that it was all over the uh, all over, just like steroids. I think steroid area was fair because the large percentage was already using it. Yeah, but I, I guess they should um, just find the team and take away draft picks. I guess well, that's the best way that. to do it. But I mean, <laughs> I guess you can't really that's do not... much else. Well, that's not punishing the players. That's well, that's why the question is like centered around the players. Are they right by punishing them or not punishing them at all? Which is they're on the side of not punishing a single one of the players, even though they're the the direct people to carry out the scandal. Um, I just say you just let this die down, and people will forget. <laughs> that's the best way to do it. Well, I, I definitely hear you, but the MLB world is not forgetting. Real baseball people are not forgetting. They are actually quite mad, and they want their pound of flesh. It's making it worse that the players are not being punished. Now they feel, the public feels that they need to punish them, and they need to get down to who are the cheaters, that they need to air them out. So people, there's current people running over the tapes from 2017, what they they did, how they did it, when they were speaking, what they were doing. They're doing their own independent investigations on this team because the tape is there. And one large reason why people feel that way is because the, the MLB is not going out there and punishing these players, which we should also understand why they're not doing it. They're going to destroy their entire brand. Yeah, it's just a sticky situation. It's a catch-22. But I think in the end, I really think that – the chickens are going to come home to roost. This is just going to happen. Like the players are eventually going to get punished by the public. I don't think it's going to be an MLB thing. I think it's too late. I think even if the MLB tried to, it's too late. The public is going to punish them along with, uh, with fellow MLB teams and other individual players that will also do the same. And I think there's a couple of teams who already have them on the hit list. For example, the, uh, the Yankees. One of those years that they, it was a game to go to the World Series. 
they played the Yankees, and the Yankees felt they got cheated at the time. And also, it's known that they did get cheated in that year with the 2017 one. So I think specifically the Yankees are going to come for them along with other franchises. Yeah, it's just a sticky situation. It's it's hard to say what they should do. It's, they're they're in a hard position. That's why I say you got to just scratch the books, change change the MLB all around, and and make it more exciting. You, you're just it. A lot of these sports need a overhaul, down to the most popular sport, uh, either football or basketball. Either one you want to choose, both still need an overhaul on excitement. Um, NFL does get in people, but there's a, a still a disconnect that's happening between the public and the treatment of the players. As the, ML, the NBA, NBA is having a problem with viewership, even though they have people viewing it uh, heavily, uh, but not at the same time. Um, but I'll, I'll just move it along. We're going to move towards some football, but the XFL is week two. Now, just to run through the eight teams and their scores, there was the New York Guardians, who scored zero points to the D.C. Defenders, uh, 27 to zero. Uh, you have the Tampa Bay Vipers versus the Sea, the sea Dragons, uh, Seattle, 17 to nine, as the Sea Dragons come out on top. You have the Dallas Renegades versus the Los Angeles, uh, sorry, not the Los Angeles, the, Louis, the Louisiana Wildcats. As the Renegades came out on top, 25 to 18, and then you have the St. Louis Rattlesnakes versus the Houston Roughnecks, and the Roughnecks came out on top, 28 to 24. Now there's only two teams remaining undefeated, even though there's only eight teams in the total league, uh, with the DC Defenders being 2 and 0 and the Houston Roughnecks at 2 and 0. But quickly ask, what? Are you liking so far about the XFL? I like that there is huge excitement and buzz around this league starting up, and there are fans showing up in large numbers to come see these games. People are excited because it's just more football, and it's just uh, really a filler in between the end of the NFL season and the uh, NFL draft. And also, I, I think I mentioned this before, the transparency with the league where you can hear all the calls from the coaches. You can hear what the refs are saying. You can hear what they're saying in the booth. Um, just so much transparency that there's just really no controversy. You see if somebody makes the wrong type of play or there, if if there's any miscommunication. So much transparency that it just makes you get into it more and the plays are exciting. There hasn't been the best quarterback play. Um, some of these quarterbacks that have had chances in the NFL, like Landry Jones is just terrible and <laughs> doesn't seem like he's going to be able to get another chance anywhere else. But um, other than that, I don't have too many complaints. I, I think this is a really exciting league and it has a bright future. Yeah. I, I feel this an extremely great filler for the NFL season. It it works in conjunction with the NFL very, very, very well. Uh, but the main things that I'm liking is the fast scoring, the the, the way they do the uh, kickoffs, things like that. Um, the fact that the, you can get one point, three, two points, three points, but it's completely the transparency, completely 
transparency. You hear what the refs are talking about. You you hear what the person in the booth is uh, is talking about. And I lo- even love the little Xbox co- controller that they use to do the review on. You understand their thinking behind a call. It humanizes the ref and it creates extreme um, transparency, which just you appreciate completely. You even hear the coaches uh, calling plays like they don't even care that they have to like in the NFL. They don't really want their play calls out on uh, mainstream TV. So, you know, what's coming and everything like that. But down to the coaches saying it over their intercoms and you hear it on the main uh, broadcast to the announcers telling you exactly what the the coach is trying to do. Oh, they're trying to get the tight end open over here. They're telling you the plays, which will be a disadvantage a lot in the NFL. Uh, so I, I completely say the transparency is the best part of the XFL so far. Yeah, I agree. The transparency is on another level with, with the NFL. They try to cover up every time they try to say something. The coaches, they have the little, um, the little play sheet, over their mouth <laughs> mm-hmm. so nobody can see what they're saying uh but also i didn't mention this is whenever the players get off the field and make a great play they are interviewed by somebody and which makes for great entertainment but could be a good thing and a bad thing because you never know what he's going to say because he's been really riled true. up during the game very true but it makes it exciting at least uh and it puts faces to to plays as the ex. NFL is actually not good at that. Uh, they'll put it on the person who's helmeted, uh, but a lot of times there's diehard fans who do not know what the players look like. So they really could be out and about, but uh, the most basic uh, player is not known. XFL does make it to where you're interviewed after each one. I also even like the rule that when you catch the ball, if you it can hit the ground, but if you still maintain control, if it appears you still had control, even though it hit the uh, ground, it's still a catch, which makes what we know to be a catch to be a catch versus the NFL's way of thinking about it is if there's any part of it that hits the ground, you're going to have it as an incomplete. Really the NFL with the whole catch thing, it's been a slippery slope. They have to create one rule to fix the previous rule to fix the previous one so it's (laughs) they're going to keep going down that slippery slope until i don't know hopefully they don't get washed out by the xfl and the xfl starts bridging into the nfl season um but moving along uh do you feel people really root for one team or finding a team to root for so far no i i think some some people are actually trying to get a team for this league because they wanted to see it succeed because they want more football. Um, right now, I still have not gotten a team. It's hard to say. It's it's really on whichever team has the best jerseys right now. It's, it's hard <laughs> to say which team I really like. Um, I'm just watching it for the entertainment and I guess you can't get as much into it if there's nobody to root for, but I'm still into it just because it's just more football. I agree, but I, I've gotten a team, but it's, it's made it real easy. Come on. It, I, I, I'm even ashamed of how I chose my team, but how else can I get my team? Uh, I chose one of the undefeated teams and one of the first teams I saw play. 
but they were very dominant first game of the season and the second game where they won 27 to zero the dc defenders they've been quite entertaining uh and they are now two and oh now you also have the Houston Roughnecks, which I haven't really gotten to see like that, but they're 2-0 also. So I'm guessing people would lean towards those teams. But I will throw in a whole other element. When I watched the Sea Dragons, the Seattle uh, Sea Dragons, when they were at home versus the Tampa Bay Vipers, they're playing in NFL stadiums. And the same effect of the crowd that happened for the Seahawks, the uh, NFL team, happened for the sea dragons the crowd noise the the excitement the the fandomness i think is really going towards people in their actual cities so if you're a fan of the, the city's team uh or the the, t- the nfl's team that's already there or a lack thereof you're rooting for that team outside of those cities you're just trying to pick and choose to find somebody to root for yeah, and the D.C. Defenders is doing better than the Washington Redskins, so they have something to root for. <laughs> a whole lot more to root for there. Um, but uh, going to the last question about the XFL's second week, is there anything the NFL should really adopt from the XFL immediately? Immediately, it would have to be, I think, the kickoffs. Those make the kickoffs more exciting. and there's not a whole bunch of touchbacks. Um, you're still going to see it from time to time, but I feel like that will make things more exciting uh, to where people aren't just, you know, oh, you got the kickoff going on, nothing's going to happen. Um, they should adopt that. And eventually, I guess the transparency, but you can't fully adopt that head on because that's that's just so hard. Nobody wants anybody to learn their plays and they have a longer season. But um, the fast pace in the XFL, how they go with that, they, the NFL should adopt that because these games could go on. Well, they, the NFL games do go on for pretty long, and the XFL seems like they, have, they always have your attention. So I say those two things with the kickoff and the pace of the game. I agree. I have to agree to the definitely transparency, but that's going to be f- funny and fickle, uh, even with the interviewing players when they get off the field, because the XFL is very much about controlling the narrative and uh, limiting limiting you to what the players can mess up for the for the NFL. Uh, they're very touchy about that. XFL is a little bit more free-flowing about that. Uh, but definitely the kickoff, that is definitely a plus that would uh, be great for the XFL. Sorry, for the NFL. And I really like the 1.2.3 point, point, but that might be something that does need to stay in the XFL to make it unique. Uh, NFL numbers and history gets a little fuzzy if they implement that, but it just makes it a little bit more fun. Yeah, it makes it a little bit more fun with the XFL. Um, but the NFL should think about changing some of the extra point rules to make it more exciting. Yeah, uh, yeah, because it has had a whole lot of lackluster in that uh, regard. Um, but we'll move on to a NFL subject, which was a previous big story with Miles Garrett. Now, Miles Garrett what, is a Cleveland uh, Brown 
defensive end who was involved in a uh, confrontation with Mason Rudolph a few months ago where he ripped off the quarterback's helmet and hit him in the head with it, uh, having a whole lot of backlash and a lot of back and forth about what actually happened. Now, by Miles Garrett's account, he recalls that Mason Garrett called him the N-word. And to throw more on it, after he was reinstated this past week, he doubled down on it and said that Mason Rudolph called him a stupid N-word. Stupid nigger. Yeah, <laughs> say that. <laughs> but, um, so it's, it's very big of a problem when the quarterback Mason Rudolph is of white descent and uh, Miles Garrett is black. And we all kind of wonder what would make Miles Garrett react in the way he did at that time, the way he seemed as though he was ready to kill Mason Rudolph. But since, since this could kill Mason Rudolph's reputation, who do you really believe? Who do I really believe? Um, it's hard to say because I did hear the interview with the head coach, Mike Tomlin, on first take today. Yeah, that's about the next question. Oh, the next question. <laughs> well, he was completely we'll behind. Up. He was completely behind his his uh, quarterback saying that he is not that type of player or that type of person. And he knows the mentality of Mason Rudolph. And there was no audio caught of that. There was no players that heard uh, any words like that come from his mouth. So coming from somebody like that, their head coach, it's just hard to believe or just make it seem like Mason Rudolph did do that. But I don't know. It's maybe maybe uh, Miles Garrett just heard something that sounded like that. I'm not sure, even though I, I really want to be on his side. And Mason Rudolph he doesn't have too much of a future in the NFL anyway, but um, <laughs> I really want to be on his side because um, I, I think he's a great guy. He's uh, other than that one situation, he didn't have any screw ups. He even had a fan punch him in the face and he didn't retaliate. So it's it's hard to say. Okay. Well, I, I'll make it plain. So I believe Miles Garrett, like, I, I definitely understand. Mason Rudolph has said, also uh, stated that this was a bold-faced lie, um, and he's taking it very serious. But do you think he would have reacted in any other type of way if he did say it? Um, so I have to kind of go back to the actual confrontation. And it, it's the only thing that makes sense to how Miles Garrett reacted. It was absolutely the only thing that absolutely makes sense. Like there's nothing I felt he could have could have triggered him more than something like that, and we already we absolved Mason Rudolph of the fact that he grabbed the back of Miles Garrett's helmet, pulling him down, and when we already focus in on player safety and all of that, I he had it coming. He already had it coming from the actual situation, from the actual situation, just from the video without the whole stupid nigger comment thing. He had it coming straight from the pulling. He because he got sacked. He felt he got sacked too hard. He pulls the back of Miles Garrett helmet since he sacked him and wanted to not fully let go. And then once 
of course, uh, it seems Miles Garrett ramp, ramped that up a little bit more. He got hit in the head because he kept coming for Miles Garrett. Once again, him inviting the confrontation. So off of that alone, he he had that coming. But it's the only thing that makes sense. And it's, we still can't absolve Mason Garrett for his energy he was bringing at Miles Garrett because if he was not chasing after Miles Garrett to get back at him, he wouldn't have got hit back in the head with his own helmet. Yeah, that's true. If if he didn't have his uh, crew trying to hold down Miles Garrett, <laughs> he wouldn't have and ran he got like what? that. He got yeah. <laughs> now, now, I'm not going to say that he had it coming, but I wasn't mad that he hit him upside the head. I wasn't he, mad. No, he had that <laughs> now, if you invite a fight, you have it coming. He invited that fight twice. In the middle of the fight, it wasn't much of a fight, really. I mean, he no, truly, he, he, he got, got destroyed. Knocked. He got a walk. <laughs> he dropped a hammer but, on his head. But he he deserved it because he invited all of it. If he didn't grab the back of the guy's head, it wouldn't have been that uh, he wouldn't have got his helmet uh, pulled off. Because that's the only reason why he pulled his helmet off is because uh, Mason Rudolph tried to pull off his helmet, but he tried to be slick about it. And if we can kind of read what happened if he slipped in a stupid nigga I would have tried to kill this dude too <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I mean I wasn't mad that he put the hammer on his head dr- dropped the uh the helmet on his head but um he he definitely should have been suspended just for the altercation um they tried to make it seem like oh he got um fined for getting beat up but he was the one who started it Let's not change the narrative. He should have been suspended I, at least two or three games. I agree. And I don't think Miles Garrett has anything to gain from him doubling down. I understand. It, it, I, he, he honestly doesn't have anything to gain. It doesn't uh, like like help his reputation or anything. His reputation doesn't really go down or up from this. Uh, if anything, he just can't have a, another confrontation where he tries to fight somebody. And I don't, it's already been reported that he's not in that type of person to even do what he originally did. It would have to have been something to ignite him. I think in the end, he, he just didn't tell everybody off gate cause he didn't want to have a, a scapegoat type of situation. And that's other people's argument is the fact that he didn't come off the field and instantly tell his other player, other teammates that, that Mason Rudolph did that. So I just think that he might've been like, Hey, I'm going to let justice reign and just do course happen. And then once it was time to tell his story, he told it as he recalls it. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Um, I just wonder if any of his teammates asked him why he did it at the time or if they were just so shocked that they just didn't know what to ask or say. Um, that would be something but, to find out. But imagine if you're like a quiet person and you are in general because I know you're my brother. But let's say you wanted to go about it as, hey, I'm not going to like get everybody mad. So now we're going for a pitchfork uh, type of situation where we're coming for him in the other locker room. Maybe I'm not trying to escalate the situation. And so I don't tell other people, especially if they're not asking and they feel that I'm just, they only saw one part of it and they just felt that I was wrong. So why don't you wait to the time when you're supposed to say it and you do it. 
So I, I can see that being the case, which is what he's saying is the case. And he he's known to be a quieter type person, not a completely quiet person, but not a person who's uh, out there and wanting to get attention for any uh, absolving of his actions. I see this being true. So I, I have to believe Miles Garrett since there's not that much proof on either side other than the actual confrontation, which actually looks like that. Yeah. Um, I hope it's true mainly because of his future and how he's looked at because I want him to succeed in the NFL. And you talking about Miles Garrett. Yeah. Yeah. Miles Garrett. I, I hope what he's saying I don't think is it's hurt true him either way. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I don't think this hurt him either way. I don't think it hurts him on either side. At worst, it hurts him with white coaches feeling he might be coming for a white person uh, reputation, and that's 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 too broad for somebody to take so personal. Even somebody feeling that type of way. Yeah, but now eyes are gonna be all over him, watching for his next next mistake so that's well, where they should I'm, be watching for mason garrett also mason rudolph <laughs> rudolph whatever his name is. sorry i'm mixing <laughs> both together uh, He's I guess it's, a, it, it's a two-way uh watch but uh we'll go to this last question which does end off our episode this week uh with mike thomas thomason the head coach of the steelers coming out on espn uh that he fully supports miles Garrett, sorry, not Miles Garrett, it fully supports uh, Mason Rudolph with no proof of what really happened right now. Is this the best move for the Steelers as an organization? You mean to, I, I guess, to be behind their quarterback is what you're saying? Not just be behind their quarterback, but be behind Miles Garrett. And so, and, uh, and Mason just, Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I keep saying that. I'm sorry about that. But Mason Rudolph, uh, for Mike Tomlinson to come out on ESPN to fully support him, where there's no evidence where what really happened right now, because there may be some late audio or something that comes out eventually, but we're just going to say nothing actually comes out. And is this the best move for the Steelers at this time? I think that... It probably wasn't the best move. I know he wants to protect this team and make sure there's no, I guess, uh, separation in the locker room, all that stuff. But this is the offseason. Uh, Miles Garrett just came out and did an interview, and we could have just left it at that. Go into next season, worry about the draft and all that stuff. This will die down and all that stuff. Don't, don't have it be a back and forth because that's what this is really going to turn into, and it's going to bleed into – Next season, where um, the media is going to ramp it up, uh, they're going to keep asking questions about it. And I feel like he just should not have done that. It's, it doesn't really help um, the team that much. I mean, I, I guess it keeps the team together in a way, but it's, it's really going to get the media involved to where they're just going to keep asking questions about it because they're going to keep going, coming back and forth. Yeah, I actually think their best bet is to cut Mason Rudolph. And that sounds real ruthless, but uh, just I'll, I'll explain here in the end. Uh, is it worth the trouble that it's going to make? Now, Mike Thomason, was it a good move for him to say he's fully supporting him? I don't think so, because I think it's going to actually create a split versus a, a joining of a team. There's players who believe 
uh, Miles Garrett, and there's some that don't. And a large percentage of a NFL locker room is black. They're more inclined to believe Miles Garrett, especially after the reaction he had towards Mason Rudolph. I don't think there's particularly, I, I, I don't really know because I can't, I'm not in the locker room, but I don't think there's any particular best friends that, uh, between a lot of black players and Mason Rudolph. I don't think he has that type of relationship in the locker room. I can't know for sure, but I don't, from face value, I, it does not appear to be that way. So in the end, their best bet may be to cut him if he's not going to be their future quarterback. He is going to invite those questions. He is going to invite the issue, and it's going to be ongoing. So I think Tomlinson should have just simply kept his mouth shut, never brought up anything, and not be so so hard on one side. Because if there is anything that comes out later on, it will be trouble for a locker room. And even if it doesn't come out later on, it still becomes who believes who. And there's a large possibility there's at least 20% of that locker room that does not believe uh, Mason Rudolph. I completely agree. Um, They should definitely cut ties with him because he's really not worth it. They already benched him after that game, and he's not the future. You you already know that. You you don't need him. even if you like cut him from a team or cut him from your your team, he can't say it's because of that situation. It's because you already benched him and he was playing terrible. So there's <laughs> yeah, the best thing to do is just cut him. <laughs> Actually, Let somebody so, else deal with that. So that makes Thomas's move even stupider, to be real. Why are you needing to stick up for a non-starter? And I know that seems slightly heartless. Uh, when it comes to the people logistics, but when it comes to franchise and what you mean in the franchise, he doesn't mean that much. So you're putting yourself on one side of a fight that really hasn't gotten to the end of his storyline. No, it hasn't. And he jumped too quickly at this opportunity. Um, There's going to be a constant back and forth and it just might bleed into the regular season. And you have, uh, separation in the locker room where there shouldn't be when you can just easily cut ties with him. He's just, he's a backup quarterback. You got Ben Roethlisberger coming back. You don't need him. You can easily go, go back and get another quarterback. He's just sitting on the bench. Yeah. So I I think this is just going to spell more trouble. And eventually the Steelers are just going to be like, can you stop asking about, about it where the media won't, end up letting this go we're way far from the beginning from of the nfl season but the more there's no storylines for the nfl the more they harbor on the ones they do have yeah i i agree yeah so i will actually end the day that's a good uh cap off but we're going to go into the questions part and this has been so you think you know sports uh like always we have our three questions at the end a very short part where they're all multiple choice Muhammad comes up with questions. I try to answer them and give you a little information about what I do know about uh, the subject. But uh, go ahead with that first question, Muhammad. Which of the following players, NBA players, have scored the most points ever in an all-star game? A, Anthony Davis, B, LeBron James, or C, Russell Westbrook? Hmm. And this is any all-star game? Just to ask a question about the question? Ever. 
ever highest also, scored the, points in, in a single have, game. Who has the highest scored points in a single game, all-star game? Mm, that's quite hard. Uh, I'm inclined to say Russell Westbrook, but I'm not giving out official answers just because I feel like it's the odd answer. But go ahead one more time with the question and answer. Which of the following players have scored the most points ever in an all-star game? A, Anthony Davis, B, LeBron James, or C, Russell Westbrook? Like, I'm really shooting in the dark on this one because Russell Westbrook, he he tends to get triple-doubles and not a lot of points, but he does tend to try to score a lot of points when it – I hate to say it like this, when it doesn't matter because, like, when the all-star games that didn't matter – um and LeBron would be the easy choice. Anthony Davis could have even snuck one in there at some point, but I'm gonna go with West Russell Westbrook just to, for my final answer. I don't know whether it's right or not. That's wrong. Oh. <laughs> it's Anthony Davis uh, with 52 uh, points. Wow. But go ahead okay. with the second question. Which of the following players has the most All-Star game MVPs? A Kobe Bryant, B, LeBron James, or C, Michael Jordan? Mm. And what was the question again? The most all-star MVPs? Yep, the, the most all-star game MVPs. Mm. And uh, Michael Jordan, what was the other selection? LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. Ooh, that makes it hard. These are some hard questions. Um... Repeat the question after one more time for me, because I'm just not going to know exactly off gate on between those three. Which of the following players has the most all-star game MVPs? A, Kobe Bryant, B, LeBron James, or C, Michael Jordan? Mm. I really think it's Kobe. Um, I don't think Jordan just went off that many times. I'll go with Kobe. That is correct. Um, uh, he has four. And I know he had one tied with uh, Shaq one year also. Uh, but, yeah, go ahead with the last question. And we'll see you next week here uh, with some more updates on the sports war- world. Okay. What is the name of the XFL player who wore the jersey, He Hate Me? A, Jimmy Cunningham. B, Rod Smart, or C, Craig Powell? Oh, this is a little hometown cooking because he hate me ended up going to the Carolina Panthers. And I actually really do know this one. I, I definitely know I know this answer, but I'll go ahead and let you repeat the question and answer one more time. All right. What is the name of the XFL player who wore the jersey, he hate me? A, Jimmy Cunningham. B, Rod Smart, or C, Craig Powell. And just to give, give you a little backstory, this is the XFL player from the first time the XFL was there because he, during the first XFL, you could wear nicknames on your jersey, and his nickname was He Hate Me, which he was quite impressive in the XFL. He actually made it to the NFL from the XFL uh, in that first little term of the XFL. But just my official answer is going to be Rod Smart. Uh, he was the he hate me. That is correct. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to know that one, but um, no, I, 
I knew that one. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Yeah, that was a good question. But uh, it has been, we have a, little, a lot of fun here. We had a whole lot of great excitement this past weekend from the XFL and the NBA All-Star. Uh, the NBA will be getting ramped up, and then we have March Madness coming up very soon also with college sports. Uh, but we'll definitely give you all the updates, and we'll see you next week. This has been So You Think You Know Sports.